You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. My name is Jeremy. My wife is Ashley. We have the honor and privilege of, of pastoring, of shepherding here. We have five kids and a dog as of this week. Dog's name is Joy. I love that dog. She is a serious blessing. David met Joy, didn't she? She's a sweet dog. Thank you, Lord, for our dog. Um, enough about me. Um, <clears throat> during worship, I heard the Lord say, what if instead of pressing in, I'm asking you to rest in the promises? What if instead of pressing in, I'm asking you to rest in the promise? And then he said, what if instead of calming winds, I'm using them to usher in the promise? I once heard Bill Johnson say, you only have authority over the storms that you can sleep through. What if Jesus was supposed to stay asleep? Seriously, have you guys ever wondered? What if Jesus was supposed to stay asleep in the boat? He doesn't do wrong things. He's Jesus. It was nap time. In his mind, heaven's mind, it was nap time. Which means that whether we wake him or not, we're going to be good. But what if... Instead of freaking out, we do what he does. We rest and let the winds of this season push the church to the shore that we're supposed to be on. <laughs> you know, that um, we always consider like storms a bad thing, but the Holy Spirit is called wind, isn't she? Or he however you like to address the Holy Ghost. It's a female word. Ruah. And we know that the Father's feet are surrounded in storm clouds. He's, he's got so much power that even his toes disrupt our atmosphere, you know what I mean? What if God, the Father, was actually drawing close to that boat and the winds that were rushing over that sea were driving the disciples to the shore that they were supposed to be on. Because it said when they woke up, or like when the, when the winds calmed down, that's when they had to row, didn't they? <clears throat> During worship, I also heard the Lord say, like when we were singing the come up here or lift your eyes up. I started thinking about that famous chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's Revelation 4. It's where John, the beloved, is imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos, and he's probably in some sort of prison cell. He's, he's locked up somewhere, or, or it's just not a pleasant environment around him. And he says, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and a voice I heard speaking like a trumpet, saying, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. The Lord asked me during worship, he said, what if the door was always there? Who's our door? Jesus is our door. 
Does he ever leave? Does he ever forsake? So what if right now there's a door standing open? His name is Jesus. And he's giving you free passage to a place with a higher perspective. See, Paul, Paul didn't pray that we would be seated in heavenly places. He said, we are seated in, in heavenly places. Now, Father, open their eyes. Open the eyes of their heart to see where they're actually seated. When the eyes of our heart are open, what are we going to see? We're going to see glory all around. We're going to see heaven's goodness. We're going to see the kingdom. We're going to have our, our perspective shift from an earthly one to a high, high perspective. And so instead of contending for an open door, what if we just ask God to open our eyes? Father, right now, would you open our eyes to see where we're seated, to see the glory around us? And Father, if we're supposed to rest in this boat, would you let us know that we are to rest in this boat? If we're supposed to speak to the storm, would you let us know that we are to speak to the storm? Crazy week, huh? <laughs> you know, in this room, we have citizens of heaven, right? We're citizens of another land. We're sojourners on this earth, right? And so we're kind of like aliens, you know, the way that we think, the way that we talk, the weird things that we believe, it doesn't, it doesn't line up with a lot of the people that we run into on a day-to-day -day basis, does it? We're citizens of another place, and this kingdom transcends all geographic boundaries. It transcends all political affiliations. It transcends any race. We are all one. This is the mystery of Christ in Ephesians 2.14. It says, out of all nations, he's made one new humanity. And I know that in this room, I have friends, we have brothers and sisters that support or believe in the ideologies and the policies of the Democrats, of the Republicans, of the Libertarians. We have people in this room who shun all boxes and say, I'm not going to be labeled, and so I'm going to write in Kanye. You know, like, <laughs> we have, <laughs> I'm not trying to make light, well, I am trying to make light. Why, do, why aren't we laughing more, you know, like, <laughs> <clears throat> oh my goodness. <clears throat> we have people in this room who, uh, you know, we believe that uh, COVID is just another nasty disease that our government is doing the best to handle. We have people in this room who believe that COVID is an inflated, overly projected, more like dramatized problem than it actually is, and there are sinister things going on to rob us of some of our freedoms. We, so we have both ends of the spectrum in this room. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have people in this room who think everyone should wear masks everywhere. We have people in this room who think that is a violation of our freedom, and, and, and we're not going to wear masks. We have people in this room that believe things differently than us. We have people in this room who think that the election was fair and have accepted a winner, and we have those who think there is fraud and justifiable cause for concern. We have people who don't watch any news events at all, and you might not know what I'm talking about. 
And we have people who stay up to date. They, you, you know, during worship, you were probably checking the news feed. We have people who are up to date on all the latest. This room is family and it's judgment free. This room, we are people who believe the best. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love believes all things. And I, I take that. This is how I interpret that. When I read that, love, love hopes all things and love, belie- love believes all things, what I hear is love assumes pure motives and love doesn't get cynical. So tonight, I believe that we're just going to drop our burdens from 2020, put on a cloak of humility and a garment of praise. And I thought that we should do a little exercise where we exhale anxiety and inhale Holy Ghost. Sound good? So just close your eyes and believe that right now it's as simple as this. All fear, all anxiety, all worry go. And inhale. The things of the kingdom, hope. Love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Let's do it again. It's as easy as that. Inhale the goodness of the Lord. By faith, we're just doing a simple act. We're using our physical bodies to declare something real in the spirit realm. And we believe that when we do things with our physical bodies, it has spiritual effect so right now, Lord, I ask that you'd fill us with even more joy, even more hope. Amen. <clears throat> so um, as the saga of this election drags on, more and more people are doubting the messaging that we're hearing from major news sources. We're doubting words of government officials. We're doubting what social media puts on our news feeds. Every source of truth that Americans, that our country, that we thought was trustworthy is now being called into question, isn't it? And when this kind of exposing happens, we can respond in a couple ways. We can, I'm going to say we can respond in one of two ways. Number one, we can lose heart because of the tremendous scope of deceit that we are facing. Or, number two, we can get excited because the light is increasing and exposing everything that was hidden in darkness. When things are getting exposed, it means that the Lord is coming close. (laughs) And things that we're able to hide are losing their power to hide. And when something has been hidden for a long time and wants to stay hidden and the light is increasing, it starts to shake, doesn't it? Because it's getting nervous. Like, well, well, I'm, lo- I'm losing my hold. They're going to see. Anybody in here been delivered of a spirit and shook violently? I've seen it. I've only done it you know, a few times in my life. I've been delivered more than a $3 pizza, just so you guys know. Like, this is a safe place. Y'all can't surprise me. 
So we can either lose heart because of the tremendous scope of the deceit, or we can get excited because what was hidden in darkness is now being exposed. But right now, I want you guys to know that every foundation is crumbling. Every foundation that is on shifting sands is crumbling, and only one foundation is remaining. People around us feel that they have lost their way, they don't know what truth is, and they don't know how they can live this life. Well, Jesus is the way we lost, the truth we long for, and the life we want to live. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and Jesus himself is our foundation. He is our certainty, and he never changes. And now that people thought, that all the things that they thought were sure, they're now considering unsure. They're going to be turning. They're going to be searching for something that is actually sure. This is a season of great harvest. On top of knowing that we are in a harvest, we also need to know that we are in a battle. And if we're in a battle, it's good to know our enemy, right? Are our enemies the opposing or the other political party? No, of course not. Is our struggle ever against flesh and blood? No. So who is our enemy? See, our battle is never going to be against a person, but it will always be against the spirit they've been duped by, that they've been bamboozled by that they've been tricked by, that they've been manipulated by, that they've been deceived by. Our battle will never be against another human. But our struggle, we're tearing down strongholds. We're tearing down arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. It's really interesting to me that the spirit that was on the Pharisees has jumped onto the woke culture. Let me unpack that a little bit. <laughs> Ooh, Shabbat. Jesus constantly dealt with people who um, had this demon where they thought they were morally superior and ascended to a higher level of human, and the hypocrisy that they were so blindly entrenched in was stifling. It must have been exhausting for Jesus to deal with these Pharisees day in and day out. It's tiring just reading what he had to deal with. You know what I mean? At one point, he called them out. This is what he said. John, T. Baptist, John the Baptist... came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. But I come eating and drinking, and they say I'm a glutton and a drunkard. In other words, I can't make y'all happy. Like, I can't appease this spirit. I can't be holy enough or crazy enough. I can't be free enough or bound enough. Like, whatever I do, I'm not going to say something well enough to appeal to your nuanced false moralities. You're darned if you do and darned if you don't with these people, right? And it's weird because that spirit has jumped onto a, a lot of people, and you can, you can find it pretty quickly when you just go online and post something that you know to be true. Um, you can't say something well enough to pander to all their nuanced tastes. 
And if you say nothing at all, then you're part of the problem. You can't appease the demon riding on them. See, Jesus would condemn their ideology of paying great attention to these minor, insignificant laws while avoiding the weightiest matters of all. He would say, you, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. And it's similar to how people today, in, in, in a certain camp, they, they would rather gather 10,000 people to save the seals or save the whales than to figure out what to do with unwanted children. It's interesting that there is, a, there is an ideology out there today that would rather you kill your baby before it has the ability to disobey than spank it when it does. So we have to keep on speaking the truth even if we lose followers and lose friends. See, Jesus, for all of his love and kindness, was no pushover pansy. He was not afraid to lose a popularity contest. He had some seriously unpopular years after he said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. (laughs) We have to keep on speaking the truth. See, Jesus isn't a stack of self-help books or a way to live better. He is the binding that holds together every page that has ever been turned. He is the hinge point of history. Jesus isn't God in a good mood. He's just God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There was great darkness before Jesus, right? A land dwelling in deep darkness has seen a great light. Arise and shine for your light has come. What is this light? See, John the Baptist testified of this light. So when Jesus came, he was the light of the world. A dark world needs light, okay? So this this is simple. Track with me. The world was very, very dark. It needed a light bulb named Jesus. When he showed up, it was the light that we needed. And the disciples had to grapple with the situation where they had to make all of, the, like, either divorce or change all of their interpretations of the Father and make it fit Jesus. Does that make sense? So, like, anything that they believed about the Father had to bow down to Jesus, who was the Father revealed. And right now, we're in the same position. We have to take sides with Jesus against the way, that we be, that, the way that we perceive God. Let's take sides with him and let his strength deliver us from the false images that we have of the Father. Because right now, people are weary. And Jesus is the one who said in Matthew 11, everyone who is weary, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say condemningly, why are you weary? You wouldn't be weary if you just would have la da 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 
He didn't say, come to me and I'll give you a list of to-dos so that you can eventually work yourself out of weariness. He said, this is a safe place to drop your burdens. All you got to do is come to me. You'll find rest for your souls. People are weary and people are starving for the truth. Felt like the Lord took me to Mark chapter 6 today. This is Mark chapter 630. Let me just read this story. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So, the disciples had gone out, done awesome things, and now just tons of people were drawn. It was like flies to honey. Whatever, you know what I mean. They, they, <laughs> they came because they were starving for truth. This is verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So they're escaping the crowds to go get some rest. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of, uh, ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. It's one of my favorite verses. There's a couple, in the other gospels, it says he looks on them like a sheep without a shepherd, but the one in Mark just stands out to me so much because he looked on them with compassion and thought, you know what they need? They need to hear truth. And even though I'm tired and weary and my disciples are beat, I, I, I got to feed them spiritual truth. It's verse, verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. And said, so this is a remote place, they said, and it's very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus says, um, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, we have five, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people and also divided the two fish among them. Verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. Can you say that with me? They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So what happened when these people chased him down hungry for truth, hungry for a leader, hungry for a shepherd? He, he sat with them and taught them many great things. What happened when they were hungry for physical food? He fed them. So he filled their hearts and their bellies, which according to Southern women, the way to a man's heart is still through his belly. So it, <laughs> we're simple creatures. 
these people didn't eat physical food so they could get spiritual food. They walked, they ran, they chased him down. They ignored their need for physical food so they could get spiritual food. This is what it's like to seek first his kingdom and everything else will be added to you. But hunger for God is an invitation because he satisfies you in that place. He satisfies you, and then you're like addicted. You guys know what I'm talking about? You got so filled by the presence of God, or you realized something amazing about God, and you just couldn't stop devouring. You had to know more. You had to keep reading. But it's from this place of satisfaction and mixed with continued hunger for more that we're called and meant to live. Proverbs 27, 7 says, the one whose appetite is satisfied loathes honey, but to the hungry man, every bitter thing is sweet. You guys know what this verse means. You've been so stuffed from dinner before that you couldn't eat a single bite of your favorite dessert, right? You've been so, <laughs> y'all are like, no, no. It's you put cheesecake in front of me and... <laughs> Now, you, we've all been so full that we, like, we couldn't eat something sweet. We couldn't eat our dessert. That's what it's like. But we've also been so hungry that we will eat like stale saltines covered in mayo. So we've experienced both things. Like this proverb is saying that if, you, if people have gone without true food, if they've gone without a true shepherd, for long enough, then they'll start looking to political leaders to be their shepherd. In other words, if we're starved, starved for leadership, starved for fathering, we'll start turning to things that are actually poisonous. You guys following me? People have gone without fa feeling the, the fathering of the father for so long that they think the U.S. government is their daddy. And I think that people, we, the church, we've been deprived of the true gospel for so long that we've settled for a poisonous version of it. But we know who our true shepherd is. We know who our daddy is. And we know the good news of the gospel. And so in this world, we look kind of silly, maybe even uninformed. When we, when we manifest the hope and joy, we look like crazy optimists who haven't watched CNN and, and the hope that we have from heaven will be contagious. We'll say to this world, just like the Samaritan woman at the well, you just got to come and see this man who told me everything about me. Could you imagine being that Samaritan woman? Like just living a really difficult life. And then Jesus just flipping the script one day and you realizing your real identity. And then going back to the city where they know that you're a, a screw up but you're walking in in your true identity for the very first time. And people are seeing you acting, talking, and looking differently. I imagine that woman looked crazy. They, some people were probably even hesitant and confused by her demeanor at first. Some people were probably thinking, we know like, what, what you're like. We know what you did. Don't act all, all holy. Her words carried so much life. They were contagious. And she became, I mean, the whole city ends up going after Jesus. Could you imagine what it would be like to be Philip when you find Jesus and your brother Nathaniel is still complaining and disillusioned by church? Philip goes to Nathaniel, 
Nathaniel, who looks like a lot of the church right now, has given up on the prophetic promises and the purposes of God, and he's sitting under a tree. And, but Nathaniel is waiting for something, and Philip comes and says, we found him. And Philip probably looks very, very, very different to his brother in this moment. And Nathaniel is thinking, uh, why are you posturing, you know, <laughs> what's with this new joy? What's with this newfound piety? You were sitting with me under that same tree complaining more than I was just yesterday. But something has changed in Philip. He had run into Jesus. Guys, we've run into Jesus. And the world is looking for us to be the messengers of hope. This week, I want us to fill the airwaves with good news. Let the world see our hope and our good deeds. Just like Jesus, we need to look on this country like sheep without a shepherd. And we need to sit down and teach them many great things. And we need, when opportunity presents itself, we need to do our best to even meet their physical needs. There are going to be hundreds of millions of people waking up to the joyous reality of Christ's finished work on the cross in the next decade. Hundreds of millions of people. So those of us, we've been satisfied in Jesus. Let's just feast of his presence. Jesus. Jesus, you're good. You satisfy us our spiritual hunger, you satisfy our physical needs. We're constantly amazed by your goodness. I ask that you'd fill our hearts with the hope of heaven, that we would look like wild men who've been convinced of the greatest news, wild men and women who've been convinced of the greatest news that the rest of this world needs to hear. Ask God that our, our conversation, our words would be seasoned with grace and salt. Father, that when we're about to jump on someone else's post with a serious retort, we ask God that you would pull back our finger from the click button <laughs> when it needs to be. Lord, let us stand for truth when it needs to be. Let us tell the winds to calm when we need to and let us rest in the boat when we need to. Can I have the ministry team come up? This is our first night back with ministry team, y'all. Tonight, I want to um, address uh, weariness. The Matthew 11 reality is our reality. We can come to him and be completely relieved of our weariness. We can be relieved of our burdens. And so if anyone's feeling that weariness tonight, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. I felt like the struggle bus just circled my neighborhood and stopped in front of my house three times a day, opened its doors and was like, you want to get on the struggle bus? You guys know what I'm talking about? There were a couple days I got on the struggle bus and I lost my peace. I lost my per perspective. And um, Jesus was always so gracious and so happy to straighten me out again. And so he's, he's here tonight to do the same kinds of things. If you're experiencing a lack of peace, 
if you've lost if you've lost your place of rest, if you feel weary, um, I want you to come up and receive prayer from the ministry team. If that's not you, let's all just stand right now. Let's all stand. If it's not you to coming up for rest for weariness, let me pray a blessing over you so that you can go and fellowship the rest of the evening away. Father, thank you for this body. Thank you for this church that you've gathered us together. You've knit our hearts together in the bond of the spirit of love. We ask that you would continue to do that. Right now, I I pray a special blessing over all my friends in this room that you would fill them with a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that dreams and visions would increase in their lives, that joy, hope, and peace would increase in their lives. God, this week, ask for tangible moments when they realize your goodness all over again in big ways. In Jesus' name, amen.